Amen, church. Who's glad to be here on a Sunday morning? Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. It's good to see all of you today. My name is Greg Vaccaro. I'm one of the pastors here. And we are finishing up a series this morning called Stretch Thin. So if you're joining us for the first time today and you see this thin sign, we're not telling you you gained too much weight over Christmas and you need to start dieting. That's not the message. It's stretched and it's thin, all right? So that's the, the message series. So why, why are we in a series called Stretch Thin? Because so many of us live our lives where we're just crazy busy, and we're always running and, and breathlessly trying to catch up to the pace of life, and, and we've got all these things to do. How, how many of you would say that uh, this past week, it was a stressful week? How many of you have been stressed this past week? Yeah, wh- why is it that all the hands go up? I saw a few hands that didn't go up. But a lot of us live our lives stressed, and, and you know, we often say, oh my gosh, it's so busy, it's so crazy. But if we say that over and over and over again, is that normal? Like maybe that is what normal should be for us. We should just say, oh, I had a great week. It was stressful and busy and crazy, but it's like that way every week. Like why do we say it like it's unusual? But, but it is unusual for us. We don't want to live that way. And we've been talking a lot this, this past series about what are the different ways that we can gain this thing called margin. So if you've never heard of margin before, we defined it as what you have minus what you need. So it's the difference. So let's look at a few examples. Suppose I I need time margin in my life, and I'm trying to get to work, and it takes me a half an hour to get to work, and I leave a half an hour to get to work, and I run into traffic. Guess what will happen? Will I have positive margin or negative margin at that point? I'll have negative margin. I'll I'll get there late, and I'm going to be what? I'm going to be stressed, and I'm going to be uptight. And, And you know what? Negative margin leads to a poorer quality of life. Right? We're stressed out. We're busy. But that's where we all live. What would happen if I left 45 minutes to get to work and it only took me a half an hour? And then I ran into traffic. Five minutes of traffic. No problem. Right? I'm not honking my horn. I'm not flashing my lights. I'm not driving on the emergency lane, which I've been known to do at times. I'm sorry, but I've been known to do that. But like we'd have margin. We could drive, you know, please, you go in front of me. I won't have to cut you off instead. You know, like we, we could actually behave and act like Christians because why? We've got margin. Or, or what would happen in, in financial areas if, if we didn't make that discretionary expense so that we, we kept some money so then when the car needed to be repaired, we had the money. That would be positive margin, wouldn't it? And it would feel good. Oh, this unexpected repair bill came in, but I've got margin. I can take care of it. Versus we spend all of our money as soon as it comes in, and then the unexpected happens, and we don't have any money, and we're what? We're stressed. We don't know what to do. So this morning, I want to continue and finish this series with this concept called Holy Spirit Margin. And you may ask, so so what is Holy Spirit Margin? Very simply, it's this. We just want to look at the life of Jesus, and we want to see how did Jesus live his life, and what did he do, and how did he do it, and and can can we learn anything from that? Can we grow in that? So before we start, I want to just get some foundational doctrine statements out of the way. Make sure we're all on the same page with who Jesus is, all right? So how many of you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He is God? Okay, hope, hopefully if you raise your hand, you're in night church. That's what we believe. How many of you believe that Jesus never sinned? All right? Would you say that Jesus lived life perfectly and He can be our example? Yeah, okay, good. Now, this one's a trick one. Would you agree with me that Jesus did not live perfectly because he was the Son of God, but because he was a man filled with the Holy Spirit? Because, you see, this is the deal. Jesus left his deity in heaven when he came to earth. It says he was fully God, but he was fully man. 
So being fully man, he was tested, he was tempted, he was tried in the same ways you and I are. But he lived perfectly. So how did he do it? He did it because he was perfectly filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I, we, we don't get to be perfectly filled with the Holy Spirit. We have sin. We covered last week in 1 John 1. It says, if you say you have no sin, you're what? You're a liar. Because we all have sin. So get over it. You got sin. I got sin. But Jesus lived a perfect life among us, being fully man, that we could look to him as our example. Now, there's going to be times where we fall short, sure. It doesn't mean that we don't continue to look to him and say, God, help me. Help me see by your spirit how I can live a better life and how I can be more like Jesus. So this morning, we're going to look at three examples in Jesus' life. And we're going to start off in the book of Mark. And this is Mark chapter 1. I'm just going to give you a little bit of background before I read about it. So this is a time where Jesus was going to the synagogue, and he was going with two of his disciples named James and John. So after they finished, Jesus would normally go to the synagogue. He'd teach. He'd do his thing. Uh, and then they, they're leaving, and they're going to Simon and Andrew's home. And when they arrive, they find that Simon's mother-in-law is sick in bed with a fever. Now, if you were the mother-in-law, and you got this guy, Jesus, coming over your house, would you want him to come if you're sick in bed with a fever? Probably not, right? But they don't have any cell phones. There's no way to get a hold of Jesus and Simon and Andrew, uh, James and John and say, look, don't come today. Mom's sick. Especially if it's your mother-in-law, right? That just makes it a little more awkward. It's not mom, it's mother-in-law. But Jesus gets there, he goes to her bedside, and guess what happens? She gets healed. No more fever. So now she can make dinner for him. Oh, this is great. All right, so we're picking up the story in Mark 1, 29 through 39, but I'm going to start reading in 32. I gave you the 29 through 32 words. So that evening after sunset, they've had dinner. After sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus, and the whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. And before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. All right, so let's look at a day in the life of Jesus, so to speak. He starts off in the morning, and he's at the synagogue. Then he goes to a friend's house, one of his disciples, heals the mom, Mom makes him dinner, they have a nice dinner, and now he's going to go and have a night meeting, right? And I don't know what time the night meeting starts, but it says that evening after sunset. So pick what time it's the sun setting that day. 8? 8.30 maybe? 9? I don't know. But the sun sets, and now the whole town comes to watch. So everyone sick in the town is being brought to Jesus. I don't know how many people that is. That could have gone an hour, could have gone three hours to pray for all those people. But he prays for them all. They get healed, they get the demons cast out of them, it's a wonderful night. And then what happens? Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus gets up and he goes to an isolated place to pray. You know what that looks like to me? That looks like margin, right? He knew he had a really busy day, so he decided, you know what, after a busy day, I'm going to take some time to pray. Or maybe he was getting ready for the next busy day that he was going to have. Like, I can't, go, I can't string two busy days in a row without getting time alone in the morning to pray. Like, that's what the Son of God did. Why, why wouldn't you or I do that? Now, it's interesting. How, what woke Jesus up to get up to pray? Like, they didn't have electricity, so they didn't have alarm clocks. He didn't have an iPhone that he could just set the time on his phone. Roosters don't wake you up in the morning because roosters crow all night long. And if you don't believe me, go to Haiti sometime and you'll hear them crow all night long. I thought they only crowed in the morning. What's up with that? They crow all night. So it's not just that the rooster woke them up. But Jesus gets up early to pray because he knows that's what he needs to do. 
And I think there's so many of us that what would be different in our lives if we got up early to pray? You know, and and there's been a time in my life where I've had to intentionally say, God, I want to give you time in the morning, so I'm going to turn the alarm clock back. And yes, I use an alarm clock. I don't use my phone. So I just set it 15 minutes early that it would wake me up and I don't got to help me get out of bed and not just keep hitting snooze three times so that I, I lose the whole 15 minutes. But what would it look like for us to get up just a little bit earlier to give time to God? Or, or maybe, maybe we do enough of the things, you make your lunch the night before, so like you, you gain margin the night before, so you can still wake up the same time, but you got extra time in the morning because you don't have all those things to do, right? What would it look like to give God time in the morning? That's what Jesus did. It's, it's amazing to see how he lived his life that way. He was busy, and then he got alone to take time to pray. All right, so let's look now to another example. Uh, we're going to turn to Matthew 14. And this is a time in, in uh, Jesus' life where his cousin John, John the Baptist, had just been beheaded by Herod. And Jesus hears that John's beheaded in prison, and as soon as he hears the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Looks very reasonable, doesn't it? How many of you have ever gotten news of a loved one passing away while you're at work or you're out in another company? And what do you want to do? You're like, yeah, I don't want to be here anymore. I just want to, I want to split. I want to get out of here. I want to go be with my family. Maybe I want to be with my loved ones. I don't want to be with my coworkers at that point in time. Or, or maybe you're just in denial. You're in shock, and it takes a little bit to hit you. And then you realize, yeah, I got to get out of here. I got to go home. I want to be together. Jesus understood what grief looks like. And he understood, yes, I want to get alone. But I'm only giving you half the story because you you notice that I don't even have the reference down yet. There's more to the story than this. So, and we find this, but the crowds heard where he was headed and they followed on foot from many towns. Can you imagine? Right, can you imagine you just hear that a relative passes away? You're like, hey, I got to get away. And somehow the crowds find out and they're like, I know what we'll do to show Jesus we love him. We're all going to get there and meet him. When he gets to this place that he wants to be alone, we're all going to be there with our sick and with our demon-possessed kids and say, Jesus, would you, would you, would you, would you be like, go away, people. I don't want to see you anymore. It's like when your kid goes, mom, 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 and you're like, shut up. Now, the amazing thing about the Gospels is sometimes we see from one disciple to another disciple, they tell the same story, but one adds a little more color. Right, so we're going to look to the Gospel of Mark. Same story, but Mark tells us a little bit more about what was going on around this time when John the Baptist died. And Mark talks about that the disciples were sent out two by two. So Jesus had been teaching his disciples, and now the training is you've got to go out into the field. I'm going to send you two by two. And he gave them authority in his name to go and work miracles and to heal people and to cast out demons. And he said, if the town receives you, great. Minister in that town. If they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet. Go to the next town. So the disciples go out. And when they come back, they're so excited about telling Jesus what had just happened. And it's at that time that they hear the news about John the Baptist, right? So this is what Mark 6, 30 through 32 says. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. And Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said that not because of where they'd been, but because he just heard the news about John the Baptist. And he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his, and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Does that sound like margin to you? Like not having time to eat? Really, Jesus, you would let life get so crazy? 
How many of you have skipped a meal once or twice because you're, you're just working so hard, you're in the yard, you're at work or whatever, and, and you don't have any time to eat? And, and by the end of the day, you're like, I don't want to do another day like this. This was too busy. It was too crazy, right? I, I mean, it's important that we gain food. But even Jesus, the Son of God, our example, had a day that was crazy like that. It's, it's not wrong to have crazy days. It's wrong when crazy days are upon crazy days are upon crazy days, right? But Jesus had a day like that. So they leave. They left by a boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. And then watch what happens. That crowd that Matthew talked about, yeah, Mark confirms. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. I often wonder, he took a boat to get where he was. How did the crowd make it there on land before he did? Like, what happened? (laughs) Did he just take a longer time by boat than by foot? Were they running? You know, they were marathon runners. They all ran there. But somehow the crowd gets there before Jesus does, and they meet him. I I don't know that I would have docked the boat. I just would have, like, gone back out to sea, you know, and spent a a little more time on, on the lake. But he gets there, and he has compassion on them. And late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him, and they said, This is a remote place, Jesus. It's getting late. Let's wind this thing down already. Like, we, we got here because we wanted to spend time alone. All these people were here. Jesus, you've been so gracious. You've been healing them all. But can't we just shut this thing down? Here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell everybody it's getting late. You're hungry. We're hungry. So, like, you all got to leave, and you all got to go find some food in a nearby town. Isn't that a good plan? It's a great plan. But then Jesus says this to them. You feed them. And I'm sure the disciples probably flipped. Like, What? Jesus, how do you expect us to feed these people? Why would we even want to feed them? Like, they're interrupting us. They're rude. They shouldn't have been here. They should have known we needed time away. Jesus, you probably could have told them when we got here. Just not now, people. Not now. I need some space. But Jesus not only had compassion on them, now he wants to feed them. Oh, my gosh, Jesus. The disciples are probably going, what the? Is he gone crazy? And a total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. I don't know, maybe they were family with a wife and two kids, right? So that's multiplied by the 5,000. Could be 20,000 people got fed that day. And immediately after this, Jesus insists that his disciples get back in the boat and head across the lake. You know why he probably insisted? He's like, look, you guys have no business trying to minister with the hard attitude you have. Now just get out of here. I don't even want to see you anymore. You're all annoyed. You're all upset. Now go. Go, get in the boat. I'll meet you over there. You don't tell him how he's going to get there, but he says, go. So the disciples get in the boat, and what does Jesus do? He's like, hey, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Appreciate you. Yeah, God bless you. You have a great night tonight. He says goodbye to everybody. And then what? He goes up to the hill by himself to pray. So there's something about the life of Jesus. See, you and I probably would have been more selfish than he was. If we had gotten there right after a loved one dies... And we want some time alone, and then all the crowds meet us. We'd be like, no, not today. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe in a week. But service tonight is is canceled. I'm sorry. There's been a death in the family, you know. But no, Jesus has compassion on these people. And then he goes the extra step and feeds them all. When the disciples are like, no, wind this thing down, Jesus. Send them away. And he ends up sending his disciples away. But now he gets time alone to pray. If you ever read in Mark 6, and I encourage you to do so, here's what happens after this. Jesus has time to pray. His disciples are taking this boat. They got to go about eight miles by boat. I'll give him a couple of hours. But if, if you put all this together, maybe he's sending them away around, uh, again, around nine o'clock at night. It says three in the morning, Jesus is, he's finished praying, and now he's walking on the water. 
because he's got to catch up to where his disciples are. He don't need a boat. He's just going to walk on the water. Yeah, no big deal. But it says he walks on the water as if to pass them in the boat. And they look out and they're like, ah, it's a ghost. Wait a minute. No, that looks like Jesus. And, and Peter goes, Jesus, if that's you, then call me out and, and ask me to come walk to you. Why would Peter say that? I don't know, but he says it. And Jesus calls him and Peter starts to walk on the water to Jesus. But imagine this for a minute. It's been six hours. They've been on this boat ride. They probably should have only taken them two or three max. So here's what they missed. Jesus spent all this time alone with the Father, praying, just being refreshed and just being in God's presence. It's wonderful. And and the disciples, they had such a bad attitude. They get in the boat and guess what happens? They run into a storm. They run into problems. They run into all these issues and difficulty. Was that restful for them? How many of you would choose time alone with God or being in a storm and almost losing your life? Right? I'd rather have time alone with God, wouldn't you? But they missed it. Why they missed it? Because they were looking at their own needs and not listening to the Father like Jesus was listening to the Father. So that brings me to my third example of Jesus. Right? So Jesus is, is on the Sabbath. He's at the Pool of Bethesda. And the Pool of Bethesda is known as, as it's got a pool there. And, and the, the story is when the angel comes and stirs the water, the first person in the water gets healed. So there's a lot of sick people at this pool. And Jesus goes to one sick man who's been sick for 38 years. Can you imagine that? Sick for 38 years. And, and I'm sure Jesus is thinking, are you just here sunbathing? Are you really, you really want to get in the water? Because Jesus says this to him, would you like to get well? And the man says, yes. So Jesus heals but he heals on the Sabbath day. And that would just flip. It would, it would cause the circuits to blow in all the Pharisees because they believe, as they look at the Old Testament, that the Sabbath should be kept holy. You shouldn't do any work. And they consider a healing work. And Jesus is like, no, man was not created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for man. Who, who one of you, if your, your ox got fell in a ditch, you wouldn't pull him out of the ditch on a Sunday or a Sabbath day, right? So Jesus says this to them. The Jewish leaders begin harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. And Jesus replies, my father's always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For not, he not only broke the Sabbath, but he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. And Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. You know, this is what's amazing that the Father's always working. And Jesus goes, if the Father's working, then I'm going to be working. See, there was such a closeness, there was such an intimacy that Jesus had as the perfect man here on this earth that he listened to the Holy Spirit and, and whatever the Holy Spirit said to do, he did. And if the Holy Spirit didn't say to do it, he didn't do it. It was really pretty simple. And, and there's such a great example for us. right? So when I, when I was growing up, I always had to, on a Saturday, it was chore day. Right? And, and all the kids, eight of us, had chores. And as the youngest son, my chore was I had to shadow my dad. Lucky me. Right? So my, my dad would work all around the house doing whatever. Maybe he's fixing a toilet or he's working on the car. And I got to be right next to him and do whatever he needs me to do. Right? So sometimes we're actually physical and active. And sometimes if he's working on the car, he's working. And I'm just waiting for Greg, hand me a wrench. I need a screwdriver. I need a this. I need a that. So Side with me on this. Just hear me out. Do you think it's okay if I'm just there to hand tools? It's okay if I sit down and when he needs a tool, I get it and I hand it to him? Like, is that okay to sit? I thought it was. 
Not for my dad. No, if you're working, you're standing. I'm like, no, why do I got to stand? And, and we would have this, this, this discussion argument every week. So one week I decide, I got it. This is what I'm going to pull on my dad. So we're in that moment and I'm like, dad, do you know the scripture in, in the epistles where it says, a father should not provoke their children to wrath, right? You're making me really angry right now by making me stand up because I see no good reason that I should be standing up. And my dad comes back and says, well, did you know in Proverbs it says that if you spare the rod, you will spoil the child. And the father who loves his child will discipline his child. So like, do you want the discipline? And you know what? That, that day was a tough day because we just went round and round and I ended up getting it. All right. But there's something about if the father's working, then we as the children, we should be working too. And, and I learned a work ethic that day from my dad and through multiple Saturdays. And I think Jesus understood the work ethic of his father. If the father's working as his servants, what choice do we have to say? No, we're not working. No, you want me to do something, God? I don't care if, if, if your family member died and Jesus says no, or the father says no, I need you to minister right now, then you're going to minister because that's the Holy Spirit thing to do. We follow whatever the Holy Spirit would guide us to do. But the deal is this, the Holy Spirit knows He knows you intimately. He loves you intimately. You don't think he's got the best day for you planned? What would happen if we listened to him and we gave him that morning time and said, Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me this day that I I would know what to do and how to do it? Like how many of you think your day might go differently? Right? So I I tried this. I'm an engineer, so I like running experiments. I tried this one morning. I'm, I'm in my chair having my devotional time before I go to work. I'm like, God, I want to be sensitive to you today, Lord. Just lead me by your spirit. I know I got all these things to do, and I kind of list them out for him. God, I need to get all this done today, but I submit it all to you. you. You show me. And you know what he told me? He goes, I want you to spend a little more time with me this morning. I'm like, God, if I spend more time with you, then I'm not going to be getting to work in time to get all the things done before the first meeting. No, spend more time with me. All right, God, I'm going to do it. I spend more time with him. So now I have an hour commute, and I'm like, praying on my commute. God, how are you going to work all this out? Because I stayed too long at home and I should have been on the road by now. And, and you know, a phone call comes and it's a coworker of mine saying the first meeting is canceled. I'm like, wow, God, that's pretty cool. Like now I got margin. This is awesome. I had that time at home. I'm not stressed. I got the phone call. I get to work. And, and that was one of those days where I had a lot of things I needed to accomplish, but I needed to get the buy-in of a number of people. I don't know if you've ever had a job like that where it's about discussion and getting buy-in and everything. And sometimes finding people in a large corporation is really hard. They're, they're not there. They're on a business trip. You never know if you're going to run into them. And, you know, as I'm walking in that day, I see the first person I need to talk to. I'm able to talk to him before I even get to my office. I'm going to get a cup of coffee. I see the next person at the coffee line. Third person I see at lunch. It's it's just crazy how it all fit together. And I got so much done because things that would normally take hours, they just, I just happened to run into these people. And on the drive home that night, I'm like, God, this was an amazing day. Like, how do I live each day just listening to your spirit? Because if I could listen to your spirit, you know what? I would have more margin in my life. I, I think my stress level would be lower if I actually listened to the Holy Spirit and did what he said. Instead of me thinking, I know better, and, and I, I know what to do, and I know how to do it. And, and sometimes we make decisions about what margin looks like, but it's our decision. It's not that we've even prayed. It's not that we've even asked God, God, show me. Should I spend this money now? Maybe if I spend this money, only God knows what the future holds. He knows the car is going to break down, and he might say, no, don't spend it right now. Save it, because you're going to have an unexpected bill. 
But if, if I don't ask them, I'll never know. So let's make some observations from Jesus' life. Jesus got time alone to pray. What would that look like for us? I just gave you an example from my life, but what would it look like for you to take time to pray, to take time to, to read your word? Maybe it's in the morning, maybe it's at night, maybe it's in the middle of the day. I don't know when. But if we're not intentional, it'll probably never happen. I think we'll all agree with that. So what does it look like for us to take time alone? That's what the example that we see in Jesus' life. And then sometimes his time alone was delayed, just like that example where, where he gets, he, he takes the boat, he wants to be alone, and then the whole crowd meets him. He, he worked all afternoon and into the night, but then he took the time alone to pray. Right? So sometimes our, our time alone might be delayed. That's okay. If we're following the Holy Spirit, if we really know it's God, it, it's going to be okay. God will work it out. But the thing with Jesus, he wasn't selfish about his need for margin. See, if, if I come up with my idea of margin, I might say this. I only want to be out two or three nights a week. I'm not, never going to be out four nights a week. And then that fourth night comes and someone makes a request. Nope, I've already said I'm not going to be out four nights a week. That's it. And you know what? I'm not wrong in saying I only want to be out two or three nights a week. But that's me saying it. What, what if that fourth night God actually wanted me to stretch a little bit? That was the time he's like, I know it's going to be crazy busy sometimes, but this is a Holy Spirit moment. Don't miss it. And I miss it because I've created my margin, my idea of margin, but I'm not asking God, God, what do you want me to do? See, and, and that's what I see with Jesus. He wasn't selfish with his idea of margin. He would listen to the Holy Spirit and follow whatever the Holy Spirit said. Now, this is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that whenever the church doors are open, you should be there because if it's a church meeting, it's God's will for you. I'm not saying that. But so many of us, we come up with our idea of what margin looks like, and then we're, we're so specific we can't change when God really wants us. It's all about the relationship with him, not about us having two nights or three nights home versus four nights home. So Jesus wasn't selfish with his need for margin. He prioritized listening to the Holy Spirit over his own needs. What would that look like for us? I want to read this scripture, and we read it in the very first sermon of this series. So it may look familiar. It's from Matthew seven twenty one. It says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many, many miracles in your name. But I'll reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. This scripture really troubles me because I look at this and I'm like, I'm impressed. If, if you're going to do miracles in his name, if you're going to cast out demons in his name, if you're going to prophesy like, I'm impressed. You, you must have something going right. But God's not impressed. He, he's like, no, I, I never knew you. See, God isn't more concerned about what you do. God is concerned about are you being with him? Are you spending time with him? Are, are you relating to him? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? It doesn't matter if you're, you're at every church meeting. If God didn't want you to be there, you're not really doing his will. And he says, only those who do, actually do the will of my Father are going to enter into heaven. That's the relationship, that's the closeness, that's the intimacy with the Holy Spirit that God wants us to have. And that's the best way to find margin in our lives, is to go to God and ask God, God, what do you want me to do? How do, how, how do I behave in this situation? Lord, should I spend money on this? Should I not spend money on this? God, what do I do in these areas of temptation in my life? Listen to what the Spirit of God, he'll talk to you if you listen. 
So if I could give you one takeaway out of this entire series for margin, it would be this. Margin is best achieved by doing what God is doing. Right? And, and I, I learned this, and, and the picture that came to me was a time when I had, had a puppy, and I needed to train this puppy. Right? So I took the, the puppy to obedience school, and in obedience school, they start with a long leash exercise for, for puppies. So you, you get like a 15-foot piece of rope, and you attach it to the choke collar, and you got the other end. And then there's all these you know, owners and, and puppies around. So like puppies are sniffing other puppies' butts and sniffing the flowers and everything and being all distracted. And like, okay, owners, I want you to walk straight for 10 paces. And then you pick. You go left or right for 10 paces, but you keep doing every 10 paces, you're going to change direction. And when that rope gets taut, wherever your puppy is, you just give a little bit of jerk. And the puppy's going to go, rip, and, and then they'll come following you because the choke collar chokes them. So I start doing this, right? And I go left, and my, my dog is, is over there, and I give him a little jerk, and you know what? The dog comes and runs over to me, and, and then when I'm running, the rope is long enough that, that the dog has time to get distracted, and then I go the other direction, pull again. You know what? It was about four or five of these, and all of a sudden, my dog is amazingly right next to me, looking up at me. Which way is he going to go? Which way is he going to go? Which way is he going to go? And there was a sensitivity that that dog happened. Why? Because he had felt a little bit of the pain. And some of us in life, we go through circumstances and we're like, God, why is this happening to me? But you know what? It caused you to go to God. It caused you to cry out to God. And, and this might happen to you over and over and over again until one day you're going to wake up and say, what if I just kept my eyes on Jesus? Maybe I wouldn't have those little jerks going on all my life. And that's what God is trying to show us. The margin is best achieved by listening to him, by following him. It would be so much easier if we just stayed right next to the master. And wherever the master goes, if he goes left, we go left. If he goes right, we go right. Why? Because we keep looking at him. Because what is he going to do next? Instead of getting all distracted and doing our own thing, margin's best achieved by doing what God would have us to do. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? So which is the better way to gain margin? Should we just decide in ourselves to protect our schedule, our finances, our boundaries, and come up with those solutions on our own? Or should we strive to just do what God is doing and listen all day, every day for what he's saying? It's great to have some boundary conditions, but then we submit those boundary conditions to the Lord and say, God, this is what I've come up with, but now, Lord, what would you have? Because if God wants you to stretch a little bit and be a little crazy busy for a season, that may be okay. I'm not saying crazy busy is okay as a lifestyle, but for a day or two here or there, there's, there's times that we have that. But what is God saying? Why, why would we decide in ourselves we should be listening to him? Is it okay if our idea of margin gets interrupted because God is still working? See, Jesus said, if my father's working, I'm going to be working. My dad would not let me sit down when he was working because if he's working I got to be working and he wanted me to stand so if God is working you may be missing the next miracle because you're like nope sorry I can't do it my margin says no to this one and God wanted you to say yes and you were going to have an opportunity to see 5,000 or 8,000 people be fed but your selfishness got in the way of I need my time I need my space I need my margin sometimes our margin our idea of margin gets interrupted by the Holy Spirit that's a good thing it's not okay for us to interrupt ourselves with negative things, with things we think are good. No, we should be asking God, God, is this of you or is this not of you? 
And lastly, what does it look like to every day keep an open posture and listening ear for God's will? What, what would happen if we could do that? Could, could you tomorrow or tonight spend some time and just say, God, show me how to live more closely to what you would have me do? That I'd be listening for, for what are, what's your agenda today, Holy Spirit? He, he knows your job. He knows your needs. He knows the kids you care for. He knows everything about you. But what would it look like for you to trust him in your day? So let's close our eyes as, as we pray. If you want to lift your hands with me, that's fine. Father God, we, we need you. We need more of your presence in our lives, Jesus. God, we confess that there's been times when we've not accurately listened to you and obeyed. And we ask forgiveness for, for falling short, Father. But God, as, as we are challenged by this idea of doing whatever you're doing and keeping our eyes on you, Lord, help us learn from the times when we've been uh, you've gone left and we've gone straight and we felt that little bit of tug and now our eyes are all of a sudden on you but they're only on you for a moment. Lord, help us keep our eyes on you every day, all day long. Lord, help us listen to you and, and respond appropriately. Lord, where we've made decisions in our own strength, God, and it's not been you, Lord, we ask forgiveness for that, Father. That's why we're so crazy. We, we know that you understand our lives better than we do ourselves. So we trust you, God. Help us to give you the time to, to put you first in our lives. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. Be blessed. If you want prayer for anything, please come forward. We'd love to pray for you. Thank you.